Diet Black Podcast is a podcast about true crime, punk rock and gothic music, TV shows and movies, pretty much anything creepy or weird that we decide to discuss. It may contain graphic content, vulgar language, and suggestive themes that may be triggering and or inappropriate for some listeners. Let's be honest, it's gonna contain vulgar language. Now all opinions are just that, they're opinions. We are not scholars, lawyers, or historians, and by no means do we claim to be experts. And the information that we obtain comes from the internet, and we have no proof that it's fact. So thank you, and enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to Diet Black. Diet Black. Diet Black. Diet Black. <laughs> black, 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 black number one. Sorry. <clears throat> We're in an awkward mood today. We're in a new recording situation slightly. We are currently doing some renovations on our tiki bar, which is where we usually record, um, and we are in the process of painting it, so things are not where they used to be. No, things are off the wall, and it might be a little echoey, and if you hear a heater in the background, I apologize, but it is 18 degrees outside right now, and this particular room is not heated by the elements of the house, so we gotta put on a space heater. So that we don't freeze our appendages off. Our patooties, as it were. Our butt cheeks. <laughs> I mean, I don't have much of an ass to freeze off to begin with. Yeah, and I don't want to lose what you do have, because, you know, I like to have a little something to grab. But... She usually gets my phone. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> but... We are here, so yeah, that's our big crafty project right now, is literally painting this place. Oh, and I want to give a quick shout out to my friend Amy, who sent me a message earlier today saying how much she loved the podcast. Oh, that's great! Yeah, yeah, so uh, Amy is one of my awesome friends I told you about. Amy is who introduced me to Alkaline Trio. Ah, good, good so, yeah, call, I've heard good of, call. To thank, yep, that's kind of something that bonded Tam and I with Alkaline Trio, because they're a Chicago band, and... Yep, like, when I was in the dating pool, I made a rule with myself that I was never gonna fall in love with anybody, again, who liked Alkaline Trio or The Smiths, and, um, yeah. I love both. I know. <laughs> and I love you for it. Yeah, Morrissey's a fucking dick, but damn it, he's talented. I know. So, you know, we all have but... our rules. Oh, and speaking of music, uh, Tam and I have been working on a holiday playlist, which is on Spotify. You and can look it up. It's uh, a diet black Christmas. A, a diet ba- <laughs> <laughs> A word. <clears throat> it's a diet black holiday extravaganza. So if you're interested in what kind of shit we would put on a Christmas slash Hanukkah playlist, that's it. It's gonna be everything from traditional like Elvis, Bing Crosby covers to South Park's Mr. Hanky. So you know, covering the gamut. Yeah, I mean, we got to run the full gamut if we're going to do it. So we will try and get you guys a link to that as well on either the Facebook or the Instagram or both. Yeah, and I finally got our... So we actually have two Instagram pages now. Oh, not no. Instagram, Facebook pages. Yeah. So we have an actual The Diet Black Podcast page, 
which I think is just going to operate as our website for now. And then we also have a Diet Black uh, community. Yes. Where you can post stuff, ask us questions, give us suggestions. What I'd really like to do is I have a ton of ghost stories, and I would really like to get yours so I can read them along with mine. That way it's not all about, oh, well, Liam had this spooky experience. Yeah, I fucking did. But <clears throat> we want to hear from you, too. So you can message us on Facebook. You can send them to our Gmail account as well. It's dietblack at gmail.com. And, you know, throw us a line. Throw us a story. Throw us a, hey, you guys suck. We just want to actually <clears throat> hear from people that are out there listening that we can include you in this extravaganza because yeah. it's not just about us two whispering into the void. <laughs> no, and I, I want to give a shout-out to one of our second-hand <laughs> listeners, Marianne. Marianne! For uh, making me very conscious tonight to make sure that I don't say basically a bunch of times. You're going to. It's just... It's, <clears throat> it's how I do. You know, we all have our you know, quirks. We say like a lot or um or and stuff and... But then, <laughs> what happened was... I say exactly all the time. I've had people yeah. call me out on that. So, But Marianne is our friend's mom, and... She, I have not yet met Marianne, and I I'm working wait. on that. But she is lovely, and she is a closet goth. She's also the center of the book that you wrote. Does she know that? Um, I think so. She actually gave me the idea for my book, and she is who my first novel is based on so you know a mother of a bunch of kids who <clears throat> yeah is older in life and has never quite been able to live out her gaff fantasies as much as she's wanted so to. she lives vicariously through you i gave her black lipstick the one time i met her that is so awesome all I, right i'm gonna grab another beverage if you want to get us started off on our ketchup stuff and then we're get, we've got ketchup we have a ton of ketchup. <laughs> That's true. We went to fucking Costco and got, like, a three-handle of, like, giant bottles of organic ketchup. Because we're not going to run out of that shit for at least a week. <laughs> I mean, you can put that shit on everything. Although I had a guy that I worked with at the first job I had here in the city um, who hates ketchup. So I would actually get ketchup packets from the cafeteria and hide them all over his desk. Like, put it in, like, drawers and little compartments. That way he just opened it up and be like, Fucking Liam! God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> yes, I live with a prankster. <sighs> I'm it's, a troll. <laughs> it's always a challenge to know what's coming next. But he keeps things interesting, so there's that. Um, but yeah, let me catch you up on a couple of things we've been up to this week, besides painting the bar, which we thought was going to be a much simpler process than it has been, um... But there's paint guns involved that have not quite worked as predicted. Um, I have tried to paint our back door, and it's... Oh. So we're painting a very bright turquoise over a baby poop brown. Ah, that's what I told my dad it was today. Baby poop brown? Like baby poop green. Yeah. It's horrible. And, and no offense to the previous owner, sir, if you're here, we're trying to beautify your house, not insult you. Yeah, but it just, <clears throat> you know, it needs an update, it needs some brightening, and right now the door, because it's got the kind of brownish, greenish, coppery undertone, and the 
turquoisey green up top. It kind of just looks like a patina on an old yeah, copper building. That light switch looks like that if you get close up on it. Yeah, but the other part actually on the wall with the lights actually looks really cool and almost iridescent. So, I mean, we're going to be living in mermaid paradise. I am not mad at it. No, mermaid, gothy, like... And <clears throat> so... To segue into something else we did this week, so this weekend, I a uh, couple of months ago, I saw that there was a show at our local tiki bar, which is literally three minutes from our house. So I made a reservation for four, invited some of our friends, and we got to see a Christmas Elvis impersonator show at a tiki bar. And it was fantastic. It was just as lovely and cheesy <clears throat> as you could imagine. Yeah. And by far, probably all four of us put together were the age of some of the people who were there. But it was so much fun. Like, I grew up surrounded by Elvis. My aunt, like, die-hard, hardcore Elvis fan. Like, there was more Elvis shit up in her little trailer than there was pictures of her children and grandchildren. I mean, that's devotion right there. No, and she still has a storage unit full of it, and she's trying to sell it, but she wants to sell it as a lot. Oh, well, that makes And I sense. get it. I totally get it. I mean, it makes, you know, that's what makes her happy. That's her passion, and, you know, everybody should follow their love, so God bless her for it. Um, but... This guy was actually pretty good. Oh, no, he was great. Like, and my dad's like, he looked just like him. I'm like, he did. Yeah. He, he did. He looked just like him. He could sing. Mm -hmm. He had the full-on, like, everywhere from the, like, the pelvis shuffle <laughs> to, like, the hand movements. Like, he was on point. And the little old ladies were loving him. Mm -hmm. We saw one lady, she must have been at least in her upper 70s, take down an entire scorpion bowl by herself. She's my fucking spirit animal. I was like, this is a two to four person drink, and she was just slamming that fish bowl. And By the end of the night, though, I was watching her. Like, yeah. She was having a conversation with the people that she was with. Mm -hmm. She wasn't actually having a conversation. She was having that intent, like, I'm really trying to listen to you, head nod, but I'm fucking <laughs> wasted. It was great. And then there was another like little old lady who was right in front of the stage, and every time Elvis... Um, acknowledged her existence you could basically tell that she was like swooning like she mm -hmm. would have done back in the day like with actual like elvis in the 60s you could tell she would have been she done thrown her entire bra and panties that day <laughs> but I she mean, got the scarf she did and you know what she earned it and she deserved it because she was the cutest little thing i've ever seen it was adorable so, so aside from that uh, last night. Speaking of old ladies. <laughs> Tam's building party. Um, yes, so we had my um, holiday dinner for the residents of the building that I work in. And so instead of like the big company-wide um, Christmas party that we had the week before at the country club, this was just me a couple of buckets of pasta on like the hallway, but... You know, it's our way of giving back to the residents and appreciating them. And it's always a bunch of little old ladies with Tupperware waiting to just fill up and steal all the food and no, run away. I walked in and one of our residents was loading up two Tupperwares full of salad. Yeah. 
I mean, they'll take anything that's not nailed down. It is hilarious. We had one girl at the end who was like, oh, I didn't really get any food, but I was like, oh. She walked away with paper plates. She took the paper plates. She took the forks and knives. She took a roll of paper towels. Yo, I would have done the same shit. You know, I can't hate her for it. And the whole point is that we're there to help people who don't have as much as maybe some other people do. Tis the season. Exactly. And if that's what she needs, and she was like, this is a better gift for me than just a plate of pasta. And I was like, then you go for it. You take that. Yeah, and she's a great conversationalist. We had a lot to talk about because we actually both work for the same contracting company. Right. So, so I was giving her some tips, and she's she's really good. We're a lot. We're very similar. She's like, I don't like people. Don't like talk to them. And I'm like, that's it. Hey. <laughs> that's why we talk to you through a microphone. Yes. Um, <laughs> but however, if you message us and stuff, we will totally talk to you. Yeah, no, like on a screen, we're great. Yeah. That's in, how we met. In person, <laughs> it, it takes a little bit of booze for me to talk, and most people are like, what the hell's wrong with you? And then once I'm drunk, they're like... What the oh. hell's wrong with you? Yeah. <laughs> Story of my life. But, you know, we're 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 trying we're trying to be sociable, but, you know... These are these are my people yeah. that I I work with and I really appreciate them and I got a lot of really nice old lady hugs yesterday yeah. and some crazy Russian chocolates and I just you know it was cool I give and I, an ugly vase that we can't give away yeah <laughs> I was like hey babe um you want the ugly vase he's nope. like nope I'm like okay but to segue into like you know me not wanting to talk to people I think. I've got some social anxiety, and I think that this particular story kind of that we're about to do shaped my life. So I've been wanting to do this story because it shaped my life for a while, but I wanted to make sure that we, you know, touched all the right bases on it. Um, when I was a kid, I had a few close calls. Um, the neighborhood I lived in, believe it or not, and I'm not just saying this is like a promotional thing, when I was probably about eight or nine years old, I was outside playing by myself, and a guy pulled up in a white van, typical, stereotypical pedo, pedo van. Pedo van! You know, this was like 1990. Um, asked me for directions, and I knew the neighborhood well, so I gave him perfect directions. You know, it's one of those things you're always going to remember. Yeah. And he was like, what, I can't hear you. So I said it again, and he wanted me to come closer to the van, and I was like, no. And he got pissed off, drove away, I went back into my apartment. Never thought of it again until, you know probably a few years ago, and I was like, that was really fucked up. Yeah. I could have I mean, been a statistic. And I'm really glad you're not. Yeah, so we're going to segue into our story for tonight. Um, I did a lot of the stuff on the beginning of the story, um, and then Tam's going to take you into a lot of the aftermath, because a lot happened recently on the story. It's a cold case that the sheriff's office in the county that I grew up in actually did some really cool stuff with technology to try to get leads on the case. And if you hear me scream, it's because there is a kitten underneath my skirt right now. So, um... That's not pleasant. If that leads to digging into my legs or tickling me like he's doing right now... We did clip his nails, but... I do apologize. Um, but... We do have a serious story for you tonight, and... Yeah. and so I, I want to put this out there right now. If we do take anything and make light of anything, it's no disrespect to her mother or family or the story as a whole. It's just our shitty sense of humor. And it's our way of making 
a hard story tolerable. Yeah, because it, it, yeah. it is hard. I mean, it definitely, you know, shaped my childhood because I grew up in this neighborhood. And I'll explain to you as I get into the story. Um, so basically, I grew up moving around a lot as a kid. I was not a military child. Um, my dad just picked different jobs and moved a lot. You know, we moved around. Um, we ended up in Georgia towards the end of my parents' relationship. But there was always a neighborhood that no matter what happened, we ended back up in, even with my dad. And then <clears throat> um, when my parents got divorced in 1990, my mom settled back in the area with us, and we remained pretty much in the area until 1996. There was a couple-year stint where we ended up like maybe like five miles away in a different neighborhood because this guy she was dating were a fucking piece of shit, by the way. <laughs> but, um, you know, we ended up there. It was an affordable neighborhood. You know, at one point it was, I think, maybe even an old farming community, but at the time of the crimes it was very much a, considered a little country town. Um, so when my mom settled back into this town, I was about eight years old, my brother was six, um, and we lived in Green Acres, Florida. So... All week I've been saying, I promise I will not sing the Green Acres theme song, and I will not. She wants to. However, no, no I don't. Green I'm... Acres is the place for Okay, me. so he's going to do it for Farm you. Farm living is a life. But <laughs> da -da 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 -da. It, I actually had to Google it because I knew of Green Acres as a TV show, but my brain always has it linked with... Beverly Hillbillies, and I was like... Oh, it's totally different. Well, one nice. is a rich couple who moves to the country, and the other is a poor family that moves out of the country into the rich town. So, I mean, you can see why, you know, as it's something I have not probably watched in 30 years, Clashing years, of the classes. Yeah, it know. just... They're the same. And I know one of them has a pig. I don't know. I don't know. We could talk about my pig stories, but... We'll get to pigs at some, some time, point. but... <laughs> anyway, Green Acres, that's where this story takes place. Green Acres in Florida. Yeah, so both my brother and I were born in the early 80s, so we kind of came up in this awesome era, which was we got to be kids in the magical era of cartoons that are made just to sell toys. Yes. Which was amazing, and it was so much fun. But we also got to play outside, because we wanted to. Right. You know, because there was no internet at the time. We did have a video game system, but it was like a regular Nintendo and then a Super Nintendo. But it wasn't, you know, so much so that you didn't want to go out and have a good time, you know. And then the cool thing was, is when I was in elementary school, the highlight of the week was getting to go to the computer lab, doing some math problems, learning how to type, and of course, dying of dysentery on the Oregon Trail. You have died of dysentery. But it was like the beginning of the tech era, you know? And although it was the beginning of the tech era, that is our present-day situation. Everything is tech. What we're doing right now is tech. How we communicate, tech. Like, I couldn't even imagine living without my phone, and that's frightening. I know. But especially in South Florida, which Green Acres is in South Florida, to give you an idea of where it's located, if you look at the map of Florida and you see the big lake... The big wang. The big yeah, on the big wang, there's a like a hole in the middle of the wang because you know it's got an STD. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not surprised. That's why we have Florida man. 
So if you go to the right of it, to the east, go down a little bit, you end up in Palm Beach County. So that's West Palm Beach. And unfortunately, West Palm Beach and Palm Beach is the home of he who shall not be named. Right. So that's kind of where I grew up. But also, you know, being in South Florida, I grew up in the aftermath of the 1981 kidnapping and murder of Adam Walsh. Because he was kidnapped in Hollywood, Florida, which is part of South Florida, and they found his head in Port St. Lucie, St. Lucie County. Oh, I didn't know that's north. where... Oh, that's where they found him. Yeah, okay. they found him just north. In, um, <clears throat> and the 80s itself basically gave... There's a basically... Gave birth <laughs> to the milk carton children uh, with the disappearance of Eaton Pats in 1979. So our parents were on super high alert. Hell, my brother and I had to go everywhere as a pair. You know, especially to, like, the corner store. Which, the corner store is, is a highlight in this story. Um, and I still remember the panic that would set in with my mom when my brother would disappear in a store because he was having a tantrum that he couldn't get the toy that he wanted. Now, mind you, my mom was also overly dramatic and would get in her car and bolt when he was being a dick, <laughs> and we'd be outside crying in front of the store when she came back. Because that was her way of trying to teach us a Did lesson. you ever grab the wrong person's hand in a store? Yes. I did that once. It terrified me. But we also had those leashes that they came out with in the 80s, the <laughs> rainbow leashes. Yeah, my Oh, no, I didn't. My brother did. Okay, I was that makes good kid. sense. <laughs> <clears throat> I was the older one. I was a good kid. I behaved. I always had to track him down and find him when we couldn't find him. Do you remember KB Toys? Yes. So I remember being in the mall one day, and I wandered off to KB Toys because, you know, kid. And... Kid, kid toys. Yeah. Yes. And I was an only child, so it's not like I had another kid to go with me. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, I need to get back to my dad. And I remember going back out into the mall and thinking that this person was my father, so I just grabbed his hand to be like, no, I'm here. It's okay. And this guy looks down at me, and I look up at him, and I'm like, I don't know you. Stranger danger. Stranger danger. And he's like... Hello? I was like, oh. you're not my father! <laughs> and my dad just, like, I mean, the gentleman was gracious enough, but, like, he was just like, oh, okay, I'm sorry. Sorry, kid. Yeah. <laughs> However, it was that fear that raised me to be street smart, so much so that I honestly believe it saved me from a few close calls, which is one of the ones I talked to you about, and shaped me into who I am today. But not without thrusting me into a world of self-preservation of becoming the undesirable fat child. Well, there's that. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> I mean, I can tell you stories in elementary school. Yeah, it's all fat. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah, me too. Nobody's going to pick my fat ass up and toss me in a van, so fuck you. <laughs> I mean, granted, we're t still tiny little fat people, but, you know. But we're jolly. We are jolly. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, those stories, however... They're not for today. Yes. Right? Today's story, uh, we're going to discuss the disappearance of Marjorie Christy Luna. So she was known as Christy by her parent, family, and friends. So I'm going to call her Christy throughout the story. Um, so it was on the afternoon of Sunday, May 27, 1984, during Memorial Day weekend, that Christy left her home to walk two blocks, which was about 400 feet, away from her house to buy cat food at the nearby store and she was never seen again. Her family, which consisted of her mother Jenny, her sister Allison, 
her younger sister, and her mom's live-in boyfriend at the time, Larry Jackson. They had all just come back from a day trip to Central Florida. They cruised down the scenic A1A along the Florida coastline, and they stopped at a few parks along the way. But when they got back home, they were all hungry, and they went to Wendy's to grab something to eat, because Christy loved Wendy's Happy Meal, and that's what she wanted. I mean, I can't blame her. No, I mean, Wendy's was a bomb. Wendy's, Arby's, that was the shit. Oh, yeah, for sure. Curly fries. So (laughs) her mom had driven all night to get them back to where they were. So Christy had actually slept most of the night in the car, and she was wide awake. But the rest of her family was tired. So her mom, sister, and Larry wanted to nap after they ate. So Jenny put on the yellow submarine for Christy while they went to take a nap. So she loved that movie, so her mom put it on. And if you watch a documentary that the Palm Beach County Sheriff's Office did on YouTube, they actually show clips of it, and it kind of really just punches you in the gut. Yeah. So shortly afterwards, uh, Christy let her mom know that she needed to go get cat food for her mama cat that she thought was hungry, and her two kittens, Skeeter and Boo Boo. Skeeter and Boo Boo! I mean, how cute is that? How fucking country. I know, but, I mean, I want cats named Skeeter and Boo Boo. Yeah, but no, we got a cast named Freddie Mercury, Mercury and, and Stevie, Stevie Nicks. <laughs> and how pretentious are we? But So, Christy ended up walking to the store uh, barefoot. She was wearing a turquoise jumpsuit and carrying some plastic bottles that she intended to trade in for some money to buy cat food. Now, this was between 2.30 and 3 p.m. that day that she decided to go. So, when Allison, her little sister, woke up from her nap, she couldn't find Christy. So she went to tell her mother. So her mom and her sister and the live-in boyfriend, they made some phone calls, they knocked on doors, they walked around the neighborhood trying to find her. Couldn't find her. So around 10.15 p.m. that night, they decided to contact the police. Now, the first detective to investigate was Detective Sergeant Dennis Connell and his team of three detectives. They began canvassing the area and interviewing children and adults that were around. Um... Through these interviews, they found out that Christy could have stayed at the grocery store until 6 p.m. playing video games, or she may have gone to a nearby park to play with other kids. There's also a couple other things that she wanted to go see one of her friends. Like, she had a lot of friends. Yeah. I mean, that was that neighborhood. You walk to your friend's house. Right. You take your bike to your friend's house. You go play outside. And that's, that's what we did. <clears throat> so days after the investigation began, the Green Acres Police Department realized that they needed more resources. And they contacted the Palm Beach County Sheriff's Office and the FBI. Within the PBSO, there was a supervisor assigned to the case, and then three detectives, including Detective William Springer, was one of the three detectives, and he is still on the case today. Uh, During the interview process at her elementary school, which I went to, (laughs) police discovered that Christie's best friend, had been molested by two men who lived only a few houses away from Christy. So there's always a possibility that she could have gone there. Right. Uh, Those men were Charles and Willis Rambo. Christy had visited the house many times, and one of the clerks at the store said that he had seen uh, Charles, which was known by Chuck, give Christy money. This is deep, I gotta light up. Not for my face. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or my facial hair. But with this information, um, the investigation team 
quickly put together the means to arrest the brothers for the molestation and obtain a search warrant of the premises. Unfortunately, the search warrant of the residence found no evidence to implicate the brothers in Christie's case. Um, sexual battery charges were brought against both Rambo brothers, uh, but the judge in the case had an issue with the sexual battery charges. He felt that the statements from a six-year-old six girl, which was the age of Christie's best friend, would be inadmissible in court. With those charges dropped, uh, they did, however, plead guilty to a lesser charge of lewd assault, and both brothers were sentenced to 10 years probation. Ugh. So because the judge thought that like a six-year-old couldn't possibly be telling the truth, these fucking sick bastards got off with 10 years probation. Which is bullshit. I mean, honestly, it's a travesty. But... No, it's fucking terrible. But um, both brothers, when questioned, denied any involvement involvement in Christie's disappearance. Right. So later in 1991, um, Willis was sentenced to four life terms for sexually abusing his two stepdaughters. Okay. So had that judge taken that case more seriously, that might not have happened. Yeah, piece of shit on both sides of that case. Other brother Charles Chuck, he moved to another state. Um. Now, there was another person who was considered as a suspect in the case. He was a golf course worker by the name of Victor George Wyanetti Jr. I think I said that right. Um, he lived nearby and was seen outside the grocery store that day. He had a criminal record dating back to the 1960s. Some of which was convictions for sexual assault. So, another piece of shit. Yeah, another piece of garbage. And he moved to New Hampshire shortly after Christie's disappearance. And while he was there, he became a suspect in the disappearance of another famous missing girl by the name of Tammy Lynn Bellinger. Yeah. Um, who so disappeared on November 13th, 1984. So yeah. that would have been right when he got to New Hampshire. Yeah. Suspicious? I think so. This guy... I mean, I'm pretty... Given the information that I've gotten... I would I would, I would point him it. as the best suspect yeah, in the game. Yeah, exactly. I think... From what I've read, they actually have considered him the best suspect even till now, but they've never had anything concrete to pin on him. Yeah, so he basically maintained his innocence in the case and claimed that he never even met Christy, and they were never able to obtain any physical evidence linking him to either of the disappearances. So in 1992, he was sentenced in Florida, so he came back to Florida, and was sentenced to 75 years in prison, for a burglary and indecent exposure. And here's the crazy part, right? So at his trial, other prison inmates testified that he admitted to killing Christy and Tammy, mm. saying that Christy would never be found because she was in Alligator Alley. Now, for the people who are not familiar, please explain Alligator Alley. Because, you know... Florida. Alligator Alley is... Uh, a section of, I, I believe, Tamiami Trail. Okay. That is a highway that runs through the Everglades, which is riddled with alligators. And, you know, the thing with crimes is no body, no crime. And the, the idea is if you put a body into the Everglades, the alligators will eat it, and it'll disappear. Yeah. Which, with alligators, isn't necessarily the case. They don't... But there's other wildlife that could have... Yeah. I mean, it's it's possible that, like, 
you know, alligators aren't going to kill you. They're not going to be the aggressors. But if you're giving them, and pardon the expression because I don't mean this disrespectfully, but if you give them a chunk of meat... They're going to eat it. They're going to eat it. And unfortunately, that's what these guys were probably banking on. Yeah, so he was eventually re released from prison on those charges in 2012, and eight months later he died. Well, so good riddance. Even, yeah. So even if he is the prime suspect in this case... He'll never the, stand trial for No, he'll never stand trial. We'll, there may be a possibility that there'll never be closure in this case. But there was another suspect. Um, there are actually a couple more. Uh, there's one who I didn't really think merited to be on here, so I didn't put him in. That's fair. But the next, sus oh, blah, blah, blah. The next <laughs> suspect... He's speaking in tongues now. Yes, I am Pentecostal. <laughs> is uh, the case of uh, William Ferris... So he lived in a home um, that was near one of Christie's other friends, which was just on the other side of the block where her route to the store would have been. And she could have reached this house by cutting through yards. Right now there's fences and stuff separating the yards, but mm -hmm. at that time there were no fences. It was kind of... That's the thing is, like, growing up in that neighborhood, I could tell you, we walked through yards and... We used to fish on the canal for minnows and Oscars, and it's just, it was very country, like... Laid back, yeah, relaxed. Yeah, very laid know? back. So, but if she had went to see that friend that day, who happened to not be home that specific day, she would have had to walk through his yard. Um, so when they originally questioned him, he denied knowing her altogether. However, in later interviews, he admitted to knowing her because his wife actually babysat for Christie's friend, the one that they think she might have gone to see. And according to his wife, he actually told her one day, while Christie and her friend were playing out in the yard, that one of the girls was going to disappear and nobody would be able to find her body. Well, that's not creepy at all. No, not even close. <laughs> not God. even close. However, um, there was no evidence that could implicate him in her disappearance either. So oh, so frustrating. I know. So after her disappearance, um, Christie's mother moved away, but later she ended up moving back into the same house where she lived with Christie in 1984. So according to Jenny, so that Christie would know where to go when she wants to go home. Which is just heartbreaking. Yeah. I mean, you've got to like, admire the fact that she was holding out hope after all these years that maybe Christy was out there and she wanted to come back. Yeah, but... and then you listen to, like, Christy's mom on the, the documentary and she's like, you know that feeling when your child disappears for a second and you can't find him, that full-on panic? She's like, imagine living that for 33 years, and that was in, I think, 2017, uh, so now it's 35 years. You've yeah. got that panic of, where is my child? And, ugh, I can't even imagine. I mean, I don't have children, but the sinking feeling you get in your gut is just... Yeah, I mean, and she still lives there, <clears throat> hoping that there's going to be answers in her case. Yeah. So, to kind of give everyone an idea of me and where I grew up and the proximity of the cases, when we first moved back to Green Acres, we were a good, like, if I was walking probably about 20 minutes away from rode mm -hmm. my bike, maybe like 10 minutes. But after my mom got out of that shitty relationship, we ended up moving about a block and a half away. Wow. So my brother and I would walk to that store 
all the time. The Belk's General Store? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think at the time it was called Green Acres Grocery. Okay. But to this day, it is now Belk's. Yeah. So there was always that era, that, that like aura of we're going to the store where the little girl was kidnapped from. We have to stick together. We have to be safe. So I could never go to the store alone. I always had to go with my brother. I mean, for the best. Yeah, no, it, it, it's 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 fine. And I mean, actually, one day on our way back, mm-hmm. we saw this dog drinking out of a puddle. Ugh. We didn't know where she came home from. She didn't have a tag. She didn't have anything. So yeah. we picked her up, took her home. Yeah. She was running around in our backyard. Next thing you know, she became our, our dog. Oh. <laughs> so that was our dog. And at the time, uh, Murphy Brown was a popular TV show. Yeah. So we named her Murphy. Oh, that's so cute. Yep. And then eventually, like, you know, she made it. We had her mate with one of our other dog, with my aunt's dog. They had puppies, so they were like this little Maltese, Pomeranian, Shih Tzu, like, monstrosity. ball of yep. yap. <laughs> and then I ended up with, like, my first pet love, Madison, Aww. who was a part of that, that, that litter. I loved that dog. Man, she no. was so mean though. She was <laughs> of course she was. full on like Shih Tzu, not Shih Tzu. Um, oh, fuck, I can't think of what the dog is. Um, Schnauzer. Oh yeah. Yeah. So she was Schnauzer, but her she had the black and white Schnauzer coloring. Uh huh. But she just had the the full on Schnauzer attitude. But uh. she also was fluffy like a Maltese. <laughs> but that was that was my pup. So I think. Real quick, we're going to take a quick break. Yep. And then we're going to move into... Uh, the follow-up. The follow-up. What's gone on in the years since. Yeah. So, one moment, please. We'll be right back. Okay. Oh, no wait, t- wait, wait. All right. We're back. I mean, you don't know that any time has passed at all. But for us... A multitude of things have happened. Yeah, we went to the bathroom, we fed the cats. (laughs) Tam put on another coat, because it's fucking cold. Thank you, Midwest. Yeah. Steven, I just fixed that lampshade. Do not fuck with it. (laughs) We've got a giant cat in our lamp. You know. Senorita chonks a lot. It's like, oh, chonker. Come on. Anyway. So, you have heard the story of Christy Luna. And... As we've discussed, it is still an open case, and the um, Palm Beach County Sheriff's Office has not let it go to their credit. They are still actively investigating it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so, Memorial Day weekend, 1984, Christy Luna disappeared outside of her Green Acres, Florida home. The case went cold, and there were no leads for decades. However... The Palm Beach County Sheriff's Office refused to give up on finding who took her. To mark the 33rd anniversary of her disappearance, they tried a new and controversial approach to generating conversation and new leads in the case. And this is where the like tech part comes in. So as we were discussing, tech was just starting to become a thing when she disappeared. But now they were taking to tech to try and find out what happened. They took to Twitter, not only to talk about the case, but they actually took to Twitter to allow Christy Luna to speak for herself. That's a little creepy. I'm getting to that. <laughs> <clears throat> but beginning in May 26th, the day before Christy disappeared, authorities let her imagined voice take over their Facebook and Twitter feeds to recount in real time 
what she could have been thinking and feeling during her kidnapping all those years ago. This is some sad shit, y'all. The <laughs> tweets and Facebook posts and Chrissy's voice continued through May 27th, the anniversary of her disappearance, and May 28th, when, um, when her mother went on to the news to plead for the safe return of her child. And it gets weird, and it gets uncomfortable. And you can see they were working to stir up the emotions and hopefully memories of the time. Yeah. So... I'm going to read some of the tweets for you. Who would have thought that tomorrow would be the day I disappeared and probably brutally beaten, raped, sold, or murdered? Hashtag justice for Luna. Mommy is driving. I love it when Allie plays with my hair. Yawn. I'm so sleepy. Hope the kitties back home are okay. Like, little snorry face emoji, and then hashtag justice for Luna. So that's that's their trip when she's asleep in the car and everybody else is still awake, which is why she was still awake when they got home and everybody else took a nap. Oh no, Mama Kitty's hungry. I know. I'll buy her a can of food. Let's see how much money, little cash bag emoji, I can find in Mommy's car. Hashtag justice for Luna. Love going to Belk's store. It's only six houses down and everyone knows me. They have my favorite arcade game. Hashtag Pac-Man. Wait, something doesn't feel right. Someone keeps looking at me. Something is wrong. My heart is pounding. Hashtag Justice for Luna. Help! With three exclamation points. Stop! No! Don't do that! Why are they taking me? Why are you doing this? Nothing will ever be the same after this. Hashtag justice for Luna. I mean... The hair is at the back of my neck. I know. Like, straight it's up. freaking me out and just but. reading it. But, I mean, that's how you get yeah. attention. Mm-hmm. And, unfortunately, nothing came of it until this year. In a, in a press conference on August 5th, 2019... Palm County, Palm Beach County Sheriff Rick Bradshaw made an announcement that they actually had a credible tip. This tip led the team to start digging in a yard at 265 Swain Boulevard. The house Kitty Corner or Caddy Corner, depending on where you're from, from the bulk store that Christy went to to buy that cat food. His office received a tip in late May, prompting the investigators to dig up the yard on one-tenth of an acre. By the afternoon of August 9th, crews wrapped up the dig. They had found both large bones, identified as animal bones, and small bones, which also appear to be from animals. However, the sheriff's office wouldn't be able to say for certain where, which bones came from what until the lab at the Florida Gulf Coast University examined them. All were determined to be from animals. Unfortunately, nothing had led back to Christie. Sheriff's investigators have remained tight-lipped about the specifics of the search. However, a review of the property records indicates it was likely included in the search of the septic tank, which sits on the southwest corner of the property. It appears the tank had been there since Guadalupe and Maria Martinez had bought the property in 1977. About 10 years ago, the couple's eldest daughter, Maria Ruiz, 
and her husband opened that tank, and they spotted a white, round object the size of a volleyball at the bottom. Shit. Ruiz recalled the object looking deflated and remembers thinking, who would throw a ball in the sewer? They didn't pull it up. She hadn't thought much of it until the excavation, she said. Turns out it was animal, but, you know. But still. They, you know, it's one of those things that you think back on it and bleh. Green Acres building director Michael Grimm said Friday that larger objects can get into a septic tank if the lid has been compromised. For example, he's seen cases in which a car unknowingly drives over a tank, breaking the top of it. Current owner Ronaldo Malilo, or it's either Malilo or Malio, um, sorry, brought the bought the home in 2009, shortly after the septic tank discovery. Maria Martinez died months later. Her husband died in 2002. Malilo never lived in the house, though, he said. He's, he currently rents it to one of the former owner's grandchildren. Um, Tammy Dickerson, who has known the family since she was 14 and is married to the couple's grandson, Ronnie, admits that it's a logical jump between looking for the remains of a missing girl in the yard of family's longtime home to questioning the relatives who ventured in and out of it at the time of her disappearance. Rumors around the disappearance of the eight-year-old have circulated since she was last seen that Sunday afternoon in 1984. But in the decades of rumors, there's been no mention at all of the Martinez family as having played any part in the disappearance. So as far as we know now, they never had anything to do with it. There is still no definitive proof that anyone in particular is responsible for her disappearance. There is still a $15,000 reward for information leading to an arrest in this case. And the Twitter account is still in use to highlight the cases of other missing persons. Yeah, I mean, growing up, I thought that it took place in the 70s. Yeah. Until I actually did the research recently mm-hmm. and was like, oh, shit, it was super close. Yeah. And, like, I, I mean, my brother was born the same year that that occurred, mm-hmm. and... When we were young, we lived a f- probably, so there's a, a main thoroughfare um, just over from where the store is. It's uh, 10th Avenue. Okay. We lived on the other side of 10th Avenue on, like, Clinton Road or something. So we were kids constantly in this neighborhood. And it, it makes me realize why my parents were so squeamish. Yeah, at, for sure. And I understand we live there because it was an affordable neighborhood, and I think in the area it still is. But, like, when I was a kid there, and probably now, because it's affordable, there's a lot of people that have come into the neighborhood from, like, downtown Lake Worth. Mm -hmm. And they're tied to gang activity. Some, not all. Of course not. Just some. Like, I, I... used to ride a school bus, like, I would catch a couple of blocks down from where I lived on Walker Avenue, which wasn't far from the store. My brother and I ended up stopping riding the school bus because there was an incident where one of the kids in a gang had perceived something that my brother did as offensive, and we ended up having to get rides to school from then on because it was just that confrontational. So it's... 
it's a neighborhood that has a rich history, some dark, some not. But my thing is, is looking into this case in 1984, including the other uh, suspect that I didn't include, within like a four or five block radius of Christie, there were five convicted child molesters. Which is In such terrifying. a small neighborhood. Right. Which doesn't surprise me that what had occurred to me when I was in elementary school happened. Right. You know, I mean, there was a lot that happened in that neighborhood. Like, you know, Florida, specifically in that area, it, it touts itself as a more city, suburban type area, but it still has its little whims and its quirks of being a country neighborhood. Yeah. You know, and it's... People go there to disappear. Understandable, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what it is, and that's what we grew up in. But this, this whole story shaped who I am, and I felt like it was really important to cover it. And because... I'm glad we did, because it gives me some insights into some of the things that you've talked about in your past. And, mm -hmm. you know, there's always those stories that we grew up with, you know? And we talk a lot about Chicago stuff, because we're here now, but... You know, it gives me some validity to things that I thought were just urban legends to scare mm -hmm. the shit out of us to realize now this really happened. And, yeah. you know, I lived day to day in the stomping grounds of this particular crime. And at the time, as a child, I didn't understand the significance. And, you know, if you watch the documentary, they talk about different parks and you know, how far away everything is, and they think that maybe, you know, the killer at the time went and cut his hair cut, or had his beard cut off, or done specific things to alter his appearance, and if you go right up the street, literally like a block and a half from where that store was, there was a barbershop that's been there forever, and caters to everyone, and it's ultra cheap. Right. They don't ask questions. Of course not. I mean, it's a neighborhood barbershop. You right. just go. So it's... It's just that. And honestly, I believe that this particular case has shaped me into the person that I am that's interested in true crime, that's interested in mysteries, because it was always a mystery. Well, yeah, I mean, there's always the case, the first case that triggers that in a person. And whether it's something that they saw on TV or something that happened down the block from them. Yeah, I don't think any of this really made any real sense to me until, like... You know, the late 90s, when I had moved a little bit further away, I was in technically West Palm, but it could have been Green Acres, because I still went to, I still went to, so when I was a kid, I went to Green Acres Elementary, which is like a block and a half away from where she lived. It was like mm -hmm. a quarter of a block from where I lived. Mm -hmm. So there's Green Acres Elementary, and then the middle school that we all went to, there's one that's right by, but it yeah. wasn't there at the time. Okay. So if she hadn't have gotten kidnapped, she would have gone to the same middle school that I went to. Right. She would have gone to the same high school that I went to. Right. You know, and it's like, that's some deep shit. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that marks a community forever. Yeah. And the fact that, like, she's just a little bit older than I was. She's, like, literally a hair shy younger than you. Right. And it's like, that could have been us. Right. Absolutely. Any one of us. So, you know... If you've got kids, hold them a little tighter. If you've got parents who drove you crazy as a kid because they didn't want you out about on your own. Now you know when. Yeah. 
you know, and hopefully someday they'll find some more information, even if the guys are long dead, at least I hope that Jenny gets some closure. Yeah, I mean, this case deserves a lot more attention than what it has. Yeah. It's it's a cold case, it's a terrible case, and, you know, I remember at the time that the guy approached me in the van, I think the reason that I was squeamish is there was already a tale of some kid trying to be picked up by a van, and they actually told us in school, yeah. be wary of a man in a white van. Exactly. So I'm like, ah, fuck you, bruh. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> oh, thank you. I got nothing for you. I'm like, yeah, I'm being nice, but you're being weird. No. <laughs> but and anyways, stay alert. Yeah. Stay aware. Keep your eyes out and don't get into white vans. Like, yes. I don't care who's driving it. Don't get into a white van. So we're going to segue. So... It's a Tam's creepy sorbet. Oh, but I've got a surprise. Oh, you have a surprise. It's not a creepy sorbet tonight. What is it? Creepy pudding. Okay, that just sounds weird. I know. (laughs) So, I was looking through weird shit on the internet, as I do, and I came across a story that is based on something that I actually had to come across for work. And found out some even weirder shit about it. So I was like, here's something that we can be environmentally friendly and still talk about gross and weird shit. Okay. So, (laughs) tonight's story starts as such. Have you ever heard of a fatberg? I won't describe it, but if you don't, Google it. Don't, you're gonna gag. No, I'm not done yet. (laughs) We want to remind everyone to be careful with single-use toilet wipes. Please don't flush them. They have been causing problems in cities around the world, and the problem is starting here. Let's avoid problems later. Thanks, management. (laughs) As a property manager in my day job, these are words that I actually had to put on a building memo earlier this year. Fatbergs are becoming a global issue. So much so that the owners of my company wanted to warn our residents to be aware of the causes. In most cases, fatbergs, such as the most famous one in London, and those in Melbourne and Tokyo and other major cities around the world... Detroit. (laughs) Detroit. (laughs) Sorry, Detroit. (laughs) ...are caused by underground accumulations of fat, oils, and grease, otherwise known as fog. The fog then interacts with wastewater and the concrete of the sewers and collects along the sides of the pipes. It collects all of the things that get washed down when we bathe and when we flush things. They all have grown together in a way and at their own pace, and it becomes basically a plaque around the pipes. And as it grows thicker and thicker, it's like arteries, and it just eventually clogs it. I think you can see my face. I know. He's got a real scowl on his face right now. Ugh. And it's disgusting, and it basically closes off the sewers and causes a major problem for a city. It causes backups. It causes things not to get cleared out as it should. And they were all trying to determine how they could figure out if it was, like, rings like a tree or if it was just, you know, 
how these things are formed, but it turns out that each city and each Fatberg is its own individual um, phenomenon caused by similar things, but... Phenomenon. 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 But it's becoming a growing issue. So Fort Wayne, Indiana is a relatively small city comparatively, but they spend up to a half a million dollars a year fighting fatbergs. Fuck. New York City has spent over 18 million over the last five years. However, as I mentioned, London has the most famous of fatbergs. Fatberg! The Whitechapel Fatberg. Oh, of all fucking places. <laughs> so now Whitechapel is famous for two things. A fatberg and Jack the Ripper. So, Who, By the way, we'll eventually get to my theory that I think he was Henry Mungin, a.k.a. A.J. Holmes. <laughs> yes. That... We've been holding off on doing, like, the big hitters like H.H. H. Holmes and Jack the Ripper. everybody does the big hitters. Yeah, guys. and God bless them, there's a whole lot of stuff out there on these people, and we're trying to bring you cases right now that, you know, no, you haven't necessarily heard. By the way, word of, word of advice, don't be an American, go to London and talk about it, because they get kind of pissed. <laughs> They're like, that's our serial killer, you can't have him. Or like, <laughs> thanks for bringing your serial killer to our neck of the woods and ruining shit for us. Yeah, so, yeah, they're not... They're not happy about no, that. No, no. Um, but the Whitechapel Fatberg, it's a behemoth that was a 140-ton tangle of yuck plugging up the London sewers in 2017. Holy shit. Scientists first seeing it compared the scum to that left over in the bathtub when the when the soap doesn't completely dissolve. Oh, for fuck's sake, I'm gonna puke. <laughs> it's basically that gummy mess collecting on everything, and it collects everything that comes its way. <laughs> Gross. So, chunks were taken out and examined, and in London, it was mostly candy wrappers, wet wipes, and random pieces of plastic. But mostly people have been shocked at the number of wet wipes, which is why people around the world are telling people to be careful with them. It says it's flushable, but apparently it's not. Well, it's flushable. It just doesn't go it's all It's not biodegradable. Yeah, it gets caught in everything else. Another chunk of the mass was actually put on display in the Museum of London. Oh, for fuck's so sake. Go, you can actually go view a chunk Look, of the Fatberg. Posh and <laughs> kept to themselves, but they're like, yeah, this is our ugly. Yeah, I mean, they have, they're ugly just like every major city. They just don't voice it <laughs> as much. As much. In Charleston, South Carolina, divers were sent down into a wastewater treatment plant to dig out whatever was clogging their lines. They had to do it completely blind because no light reaches through the wastewater 80 feet below the surface. What they brought up was a shaggy mass of gray, almost black gunk that looked like, and I quote, a waterlogged Muppet. Oh, fuck. <laughs> they said uh, people would expect it to be brown, but only a small portion of that actually comes from the toilets. So it's mostly gray. It's mostly from bath sinks and washing machines. Their mass was made up of plastic shopping bags, potato chip bags, and dental floss, which wound, ar wound around everything and held it all together. Who the fuck flushes that shit? Apparently, flush that? apparently Charleston flushes their floss more than other people. Don't flush your dental floss, and don't flush your plastic. What? 
So now we've got Singapore. They see about 36 choke cases a month of black blocked sewers. However, because their sewers are so tight, they clog fast. <laughs> <laughs> They've got tighter holes. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> but they clog fast, but also dislodge almost as fast with a high-powered water jet. Their clogs are mostly made up of grease and rags, along with cigarettes, condoms, and menstrual pads. Oh. Gross. <laughs> wow. However, Fuck. the most adorable fatberg of them all... Ador How can you call that adorable? <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with you? Has an article all to itself in Ooh. February of this year. A small town in England had their own baby version of the Whitechapel Fatberg. This town of Ipswich in Suffolk, London... Which I've heard of. ...which was experiencing their own sewer blockage. They expected to find the usual suspects, and they found a few wipes, cutlery, cell phones, children's toys, and fake teeth. What the fuck? <laughs> but the biggest offender of them all had never been suspected. England, what the fuck? A bunch of Yorkshire puddings! <laughs> those are delicious. Why would you flush those? For our American and non-UK friends, let me explain to you the joy of the Yorkshire pudding. Oh, it's fucking dope. <laughs> <laughs> it's not what we think of as a pudding. It is not a gelatinous glob of nope. vanilla or chocolate. Nope. It is a fluffy, golden souffle of baked perfection, usually served alongside the Sunday roast. Which... I experienced a Sunday roast at a lovely pub in Camden. While I had fish and chips. But that was one of the best meals I've ever had in my life. Yeah. Like, it was delicious. London, we might rag on you on occasion, but your food is spot on. People make fun of British food, but I swear to God, when it's done well... It's oh. so amazing. No, you cannot get a decent pizza. No. But... You can get a fine Sunday roast. Yeah, and their fish and chips, hands down, my family's from New England, dope, but Britain's got you. Yeah. They know how to do it right. They've been doing it longer. Get some mashed peas. So, anyway, they're mostly made of eggs, flour, and fat. And I don't know why anyone would want to get rid of these little pockets of yum. But apparently, in Ipswich, an abnormal, an abnormal number of them were making their ways into the sewers. And they can't figure out why. They can't figure out if it's just people flushing their leftovers, or if there was a restaurant getting rid of them... But put them it in was, the garbage. <laughs> it was significant, and some poor soul had to go down there and remove them one by one. Now, in the fight <laughs> to combat fatbergs, Yorkshire puddings have taken their own seat right along those single-use butt wipes. Well, some bitch. <laughs> so, as they say in Yorkshire, bake the puddings, eat the puddings. Love the puddings, but please don't flush the puddings. Don't flush them. <laughs> why, why would you do that? I don't know. Give me your puddings. I will eat your puddings. Unless they're moldy. No, I or don't want... they come want... out of your butt. <laughs> I don't want Yorkshire puddings that have been in the sewer. I don't want Yorkshire puddings that have been sitting around for a long time. But I do like a good Yorkshire pudding. And if you're wondering what they look like, I did post a picture on our Instagram and on the Facebook page. They so, kind of look like a mix between a 
Crab Rangoon and like a deflated puffy biscuit. Yeah, they're kind of inverted, like concave, which is really good because when you serve it with the roast and you get the gravy, it pours in there oh, and yeah, it just catches it. On. Oh, it's delicious. Do not flush your puddings, people. Because so, they create fatbergs. Yes. And fatbergs are exactly what they say. Fucking disgusting giant burbs of nasty. Exactly. So. Don't be nasty. Don't be nasty, darlings. No, don't. So, yes, that is our creepy pudding for the evening. Uh, <laughs> know how to follow I that up. Keep his dream face. I I'm know. like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> but However, I, I thought it would lighten things up a little yes, bit. Dope segue. Good job, babe. <laughs> Thank you. So I hope that you enjoyed our podcast. And, you know, two things to keep an eye out for. If you want to go to the Twitter, there is a Twitter for at Christy Luna. And the, as I said, they do keep updated on other cases. So it's actually kind of an interesting read. I was spending some time looking through it today and yesterday. Yeah, they posted um, a lot of, like, uh, missing children, like, before and after the computer reanimations of what they would look like now. Exactly. Which is, so. it, it's really insightful. Um, but it's a little heartbreaking, too, so yeah. be ready to think about pudding afterwards. Yeah, get yourself some pudding. And don't flush the pudding. Not like bitch pudding. Hey y'all! Bitch pudding! But, um, <clears throat> yeah. So, that's what we got for you tonight. Um, we're working on a couple more things for you by the end of the year. We actually have a story that Marianne suggested coming up in the next couple of weeks. We're doing some research on that. Um, and we will bring you some holler... Holler... <laughs> we also want to do a, uh... Kind of kinky story, but not. They're kind of bunched into the kinky community. They but are a really, fandom. They're a fandom, though. But here's the thing. Everybody thinks that they're a part of the kinky community. And yes, they do have their subsect. Correct. But majority, they're a fandom. So, um, and actually, I went to pick up Tam last week from work and saw a bunch of them. So, what we want to do is a story on furries. Yep. And we want to bring you a lighthearted, respectful furry episode so what yeah, we because would... i don't think they're weird i understand why they right they do. and everybody's got a way that they feel comfortable and we want to support that so what i would love is if anybody listening to us has a story about being a furry about encountering furries about furries in a positive light we would like to invite you to bring us your stories yep so please contact us. Either send us a story on the Gmail account, dietblack at gmail.com, or talk to us on Instagram or Facebook. We really want to involve people who are part of the community and not just hearsay because I think it's much more respectful to hear from people who are involved. Yep. And not just what everybody else has said about the community. So we're opening that up to discussion. Please contact us and we will be sure to include it um, anonymously or not, depending on how you feel more comfortable. Mm -hmm. And 
Um, you know, we'll be bringing that to you very soon. Um, Maybe not next week, but the week after. We'll figure it out. Yeah, depending on how much response we get from it is where we'll fit it in. Because, you know, as we said, we've been thinking about it for a while, but we do want to give it time to do it correctly. Um, but other than that, I think I'm good for tonight. What do you got? I got nothing. I feel like the old man in the corner in the rocker. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. <laughs> so in that case, let us say goodnight to the fine people. Good night, everybody. And hopefully we'll be talking to you soon. Keep it creepy. Diet Black.